0: Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile's Sound Notes. It's the week after the Agile Conference, so if we're a little bit rough in this one, you're going to have to excuse us. Adam Ash has joined me, and Adam and I, along with Devin Hedge, spent all of last week in the basement of the Hyatt, but we had the great fortune of having one brilliant person after another come by for us to ask questions, so it was an awesome time. So, Adam, have you recovered from the conference?
1: I have mostly recovered from the conference. Now I'm starting to think about what I actually saw and heard.
0: It's like yeah, the little flashes of memory. it's almost like this week long blackout, and pieces just pop back.
1: <laughs> That's right, but I <laughs> Maybe think Maybe we'll more a so more... for
0: some than others.
1: yeah, we'll but... <laughs> have a better conversation today, I yes. think now that I've had some time to process
0: all right so so Adam is a, an s u p and executive coach for leading agile, and we've worked together for a long time, but what we're going to talk about today are backlogs um so I'll just try to introduce the topic and then and then kind of hand it to Adam. But one of the things that we've been talking about and, and was echoed a lot last week is um, it's sort of become acknowledged that if you want this stuff, Agile thing to work, you got to have a backlog. It's got to be really well put together or in a state of refinement so that you're trying to get it as together as you want. And um, I think for we're going to talk later on about how to make sure that that is a well-tuned backlog. But, but Adam, for somebody who's coming to Agile, what kind of advice do you give them when they're just starting to create the backlog?
1: Well, when we're starting to create the backlog, I think it's a good idea to really understand what you're trying to build or what the outcome is you're trying to achieve. The most important thing is, and we we kind of have been kind of used to making large lists of everything we want or all of the features and functionality we're trying to build. And so that's a, that's still a good place to start. Uh, so that's what I would tell people. You know, if you think you want this or you think it's going to add value, let's start putting that on a list of things. That's step one always.
0: Okay. So you're just making if you're moving from the traditional way of doing things where you've got like Gantt chart. Now we're just making a list of all the things we want to deliver or all the features. Um, I mean, if they're used to working in a very tactical perspective when they're thinking about the work, how do you coach them into thinking more at the epic or the theme or the feature level?
1: Well, I I try to give them an understanding of, number one, start thinking of everything from the user's perspective. So, number one, make sure everybody uh, that is contributing to the backlog is really starting to use that format. As as a user, I would like to be able to do something. That really helps focus people, number one, into that mindset. Uh, Number two, when we talk about epics versus features versus functions, I have a definition that I kind of give to folks. And the way we talk about it is – Epic is the goal we're trying to achieve as an organization um, or a 90 day period of work that we could define some cohesive thread through. So we can say in this 90 days, we want to achieve this goal, or this is a big thing we want to build over time. That's okay. Your Epic. Okay. Um, a feature or a feature set is a unit of user value. So the, what an actual user does when they go to a either a software or a website, for instance, when I log into a system. Login is a feature of a system. So everything a user interacts with is a feature. And then functionality is what we actually are able to either build or our systems are capable of doing. So a feature is is a unit of system or application capability. Either it comes out of the box, it has to be enhanced, or we have to build it from scratch.
0: All right, I'm going to ask you questions my students would ask me. Okay. Where do the user stories go?
1: <laughs> the user stories go into the backlog, right? So what's a backlog? Oh well, no, I now? mean,
0: but you just had epics and feature sets, and where does the uh, user story the go? What is the
1: user story? So they are all user stories, which is really interesting, because we've kind of strangely used this language in Agile for a long time. All of these things are user stories. The difference is the size of the thing that we're talking about. So that's a really great point. A user story ultimately is a story or a requirement that's as a user, I want to do something so I could achieve a goal. But a story itself is something we want to be able to build in maybe three days or four days. And when I say build, I mean build, deliver, test.
0: Go from a cart on the wall to ship up a product
1: to fit for release at least right and fit for release means you know if we were going to release it it wouldn't break our system so
0: it's a further further subdivision or decomposition of what you were previously talking about
1: correct so if you think of an epic as a 90-day amount of work features and functionality are stories that um, features are usually multiple function functional stories or pieces and then we can go we can get out there uh, maybe over the course of one or two or three iterations and then a story itself has to be able to be done in a few days. So okay. we kind of, those are the building blocks of everything we do.
0: All right. So I'm going to ask you my second question now. Yes. So you started out by saying that you want everybody to think about stuff from the user's perspective. What yes. about the stuff that the database administrator has to do or the, you know, the guy who's got to write the report, run the reports? Like, where, they're not, they're not users. They're not- that's,
1: that's true. So there are different, uh, points of view on this. My okay. personal one is that you can always uh, relay a either a functional or a non-functional story to a user. So as a user, I want to be able to do this thing, and that thing might require that I have, I might want to see this information. That information wouldn't be available unless I had a new field in the database or a new table. So you can actually say, from the user perspective and work down to that database administrator doing their job so that I can see that on okay. the, as a user. Uh, I have the same uh, question asked of me often when it comes to um, speed or non-functional requirements like bandwidth yeah, or exactly. right, uh, application speed. So as a user, I want uh, to have a quick transaction so I can move on to my next task. Or as a user, I want this to load rather quickly on my mobile so i can you know do my my next thing users think of things as quickly or efficient we they don't think of this many milliseconds or under 3 seconds but a user still wants to have a, a cohesive usable experience what's interesting is all of this actually is there's science behind this and data behind this so we actually know that users that go to mobile platforms won't wait more than 3 seconds before they leave if everything hasn't downloaded yeah but they don't think about it that way. But again, any user story can be started with a user point of view. You just have then... to
0: find a way. I, I find that that yeah. investigation is often very telling because trying to figure out who it is that actually wants something, since the database isn't sentient and doesn't want anything. That's right. you But you know, finding your way back to the user tells you a lot about what you're trying to get, about intention and things like that.
1: That's one one outcome of it. And the other outcome is that uh, when we're working with our business partners, which are integral to doing this, our product owners, um, it helps not less technical product owners understand why I'm putting these architecture stories in my backlog, why I'm putting these non-functional things in the backlog. They are just as, if not e- you know, equally or, or more important in some cases for being able to get the features and functionality our users will use out the door. But we have a hard time sometimes describing why they're valuable to a business person and that's really what our goal is here.
0: Okay. All right. So continuing on this theme of tactical stuff, I'm going to ask you another question. Okay. So you come in, you're coaching me. I've got a, I made the list, right? I've either had some sort of maybe poorly constructed backlog, or I've just created this list of stuff. Um, what do I do with it?
1: Well, That's the challenge because the next step of having a backlog is not only what we're going to do with it, but what are we trying to achieve? And I'm starting to walk into the teams I'm working with and the organizations I'm working with. And I used to say, okay, let's build a backlog and let's get all the people together and let's build these lists of things. And then I would rely on some product owner to say, okay, product owner, what's the most important thing? And I want to log into the system or I want to replace this e-commerce platform or whatever they want to do. Right. Um, but it, invariably and more often than not, they build some things and then they get into this long kind of quagmire of not building across the whole system. They're not they're just building kind of in, in vertical and horizontal slices. Yeah, they're but we told
0: to them know. they had to do vertical slices of functionality. We
1: did. So we want that, but we don't want to get into such a, a small subset of functionality that we don't give everybody a little something across the system. So one of the first things I do is story mapping and that really helps us to kind of define how a user uses their um, the product through a journey, right? This is the first thing I do, and here are all the possible things I can do in that, with that feature. Here's the next thing I do and all the possible uses of that feature. So story mapping. Well, hang on great, one second. I,
0: yep. Yeah, I want to clarify that because this is something that a lot of people, at least in the CSM and CSBO classes, it, they have a different understanding of it. So when we say story mapping, we're talking about Jeff Patton story mapping. Correct. And we're not talking about storyboarding, or, you know, a thing where you're drawing panels like in a comic book, which is that's what some right. people... A lot of people come into class thinking that story mapping, I don't
1: know why, but that's what it is. Hey, it's a start. Yeah. Um, and there are times when we, especially if we're doing UX, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. But in this case, we're talking about what you're talking about. Okay. So
0: yes. So you haven't do the story map.
1: But that's still not enough because we still have arguments of how much of each feature to build, how much functionality to put in there. And so... What I am starting to do now is what I consider I'm considering to be the most important thing is what – and I ask this, and I haven't gotten a good answer yet. What is the strategic goal of your organization? What are you trying to achieve either now or this quarter or in the next six months? That's the question I ask of the group that I'm working with. And so far, everyone has either said, I don't know, or I get multiple conflicting answers. So that's really important because the the only thing we could do as people is to understand what our goals are and then try to achieve those goals through building and delivering the right things. And I think we've gotten a little backwards in, in our product world is that we think if we build, we kind of get into that field of dreams mentality. If we, they build it, right? If we build it, they will come, right? So we're an expert, we're going to build stuff and everyone's going to love it. But I think that and then we also have lists of things that we want to build. We're going to build this, these five things or these 10 things. In Waterfall and traditional methodologies, we have a list and we build on that list. And very often I'll walk into an organization and they'll tell me, we have this list of things, we have to build it all. There's nothing less important and we have six months to do it. Right. That doesn't necessarily work in Agile, right? That's still thinking we have to build everything. It
0: doesn't work anywhere. It's just we like to pretend it'll
1: work. That's correct. The some At some point in the in the process – the work and the effort needed to do that will either get done or we won't get it done. So absolutely true. So what I'm trying to get people to understand is instead of defining what you're going to build first, define what the outcome you're trying to achieve first.
0: Now, are you having them do like a vision statement and a product roadmap? I am. So what
1: we're doing is kind of a vision statement or it could be as simple as our C-level or VP level or whomever said, this we're trying to increase the number the amount of revenue this quarter we're trying to um, increase the number of people this quarter we're trying to drive people towards this feature or functionality or product offering. those are simple enough it's not that hard to to uh, you know get those kind of answers. Okay. The hard part is that most organizations either don't do that or they're not communicating it to the point where we have enough information to understand that's what we're trying to achieve okay so I, most of this isn't from scratch. Most organizations have a goal. It's just that it may not have been communicated. So that's pretty good, right? I need to replatform this system, but it's not. that's not a goal. The goal is we need to um, get a, new, a whole new group of people that are going to be on this new system because we have new functionality that's going to attract this group. Right? Okay. There, there's always a, a reason behind sure. something. So you get clarity on the business objectives and then what? So then we actually do some, some mapping of the features and functionality. And what we actually do is we try to um, basically say, here's what our system is able to do. Here are the major capabilities of our system. And if we're going to put them in order of most important to achieve our goal to least important to achieve our goal or the greatest impact versus the least impact. So if we build this thing, it'll have the largest impact on achieving the goal. That would go first and so forth and so on down the line. Isn't that still kind of perception-based? Uh, it is perception-based. However, we're actually aligning it to the strategic goal that we're, that we're trying to achieve. So it's not random. It has an actual pattern to it. Okay. So for instance, I worked in an organization that was did e-commerce as part of what they did as a business. But their goal was to double the number of high-level power users in their system. Uh, The first thing they said when we actually did this mapping was e-commerce is the most important thing. And then all the other stuff came after that. But when we said, toward your strategic goal, if you improved e-commerce any more than adequate, it does what it's supposed to do. People can find something, read about something, add it to a cart, buy it, ship it, all that good stuff. Right. How much more money do you need? Can you spend on e-commerce? So what's better, right? What does better mean in e-commerce if it adequately does all of those things? So
0: where is it kind of topped out? Right. Okay.
1: And so they actually discovered that e-commerce, which they were spending more of their budget on than anything else, was much less important than building better tools and content for the people they're trying to attract and keep in their system. So so, that,
0: so that's a big thing because they're going to have to explore where they're actually bleeding money. I mean, it's not just like, it, it, the, the e-commerce seems like an easy thing to chase, but- if you don't have support, you don't have the other pieces in place to take care of the people that are doing the work. Then that's right. Yeah. So
1: that's part of it, and part of it is that, and and you've said it. It's an easy thing to kind of go after. The reason is most organizations have expertise in the areas that they know, and have less or no expertise in the areas they aren't as familiar with. And so it's easy to work on the thing we know. It's hard to work on the stuff we don't or haven't identified. Or we, we know it's important, but we just don't have people to do it. And so this is part of that exposing kind of the truth within the system to say, do we really want to achieve this goal and take a hard look at what capabilities we have and what we should be focusing and spending our money on? Or do we just want to continue doing what we're, we're comfortable with? And this is a pattern we see a lot with, in Agile, not just in building backlogs and defining products, but in the process. People naturally fall back into comfortable places they know. Yeah. So, once we have that, which is really important, we can start now defining um, what is the performance level of these things. Are customers currently satisfied with uh, the capabilities we have? Is the e commerce good? Does it work? Or is it not? Um, Is it taking too long to load or isn't it? That kind of thing. So, we kind of map. So, how are you going to
0: get that information?
1: So again, we actually uh, do a workshop basically with folks to, and and this is what's important. We get folks from technology, architecture, um, sales, marketing, product ownership, a C level. We want to get a cross-cutting group across from across the organization in a room to kind of say we understand now what our strategic goal is. Now we want to talk about um, what our, how we map towards that goal now what is our each they're going to give us their perception of performance right so from a c level they might have one perception of the performance the satisfaction of the customer uh, a, a developer might have another idea of that so we kind of just want to hear everybody's uh voice in that more often than not when we run these kind of workshops with these folks this is the first time these groups of people have ever spoken to each other or even met each other and they don't realize how different their points of view on the system is basically. Now, will you have actual customers in that meeting too, if you can get them in there? It's a great point. So in in this case, we we can have actually run the same exact workshop with actual customers. Um, What I've done recently is actually worked with marketing to actually put out surveys that use our data format so we can actually plug the data from customers directly into the same tool as we're using to map out the, the internal business, and we can compare those. Oh, so that's, that's exactly what we did. I and mean, compared- that's a great
0: learning for the company, too, to see where they're disconnected from their user base.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And and once again, this all comes from product owner means customer representative. It means you really have to have a strong understanding of who your customers are, what you're trying to achieve. And ultimately, when we get down to it, um, what we're really doing is we're building Systems to change or direct user behavior. So we could talk about software and we could talk about features and we could talk about functionality, but ultimately, all we are doing ultimately is saying, I want a user to come here and do this, and the next thing I want them to do is do this. And if, if something changes, I want to be able to actually create that environment where I change that behavior or direct different behavior. That's really what we're doing. It gets into the psychology and the kind of usability of the system, but it's really that's why we have such disconnects because we think of things as software, not business value. And then we think of things as features, not behavior driving kind of environments. And so we've kind of used all this other language, which is perfectly fine because that's our point of view. But from a customer's point of view, they just want to do what they're able to do.
0: Okay. So, so let me let me wind it back a little bit. So please. you have the story map, right? And that we helps do. you understand look what your MVP is basically. But then you've got to just figure out how much of each thing you're going to try to include That's and right. prioritize the work accordingly. And so you're at where some people might be not, they prioritize by Angry Executive or Moscow or something else, you're trying to collect survey data internally and if possible externally as well.
1: That's right. We're trying to get down to the point where we're actually honing in on what our actual problems are because what we do is we kind of look at everything from kind of three or four facets. We want to talk about platform-level technology. Is that adequate or not? Is that doing what we need it to do? Okay. We want to talk about features of the system uh, and functionality. Is that doing what we want it to do? We want to talk about content. Is that actually serving its need? And then we want to talk about people. Do we actually have the people to actually do what we need to do? So it gives, it, it's really – it sounds complicated. It's not when we actually do it. But the, the the truth is there's, there's no easy way to get around this. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing for many years. So I was recently at a place, at a, at a client site, where they basically said everything has to get done and there's nothing that's not MVP. But they really didn't go through this process. So they had just translated a waterfall backlog into an Agile backlog. And it might be true that they've created an MVP, but in reality they probably didn't. They probably never did an analysis deep enough to understand that just to get out the door to do business is very different than having all the other functionality and bells and whistles that they may not even need. Yeah. This, this happens a lot, especially when we move from one platform to another. Um, the first inclination of folks is to everything on this platform goes on this new one. Right. Where, where we people have don't to have even, it all. Right. Yeah. But they don't even know if the new platform has different types of functionality. Um, they don't do research to see if people were actually using all the features and functionality from the old platform. So they get into this place where they wind up trying to rebuild everything in a new place where they could take advantage of new technology and new interactions that they don't. But then, then you then, won't have all the things. That's right. But you might not need all the things because people weren't even using most of them. And that's the that's a fact. We know that people don't use most of the things we give them. Um, even we in our business have tools to manage projects. And honestly, I'm not going to name any of them, but all of the big agile management you know, tools that we use, I want to do about 10 things. They probably do hundreds and hundreds of things.
0: But that's but, because different people's everybody's 10 things are different.
1: That's right. They could be different, but I'm trying to get to kind of a basic structure of what are the most important things? And again, how do I achieve my goal? So just as I use these products to say, does this help me achieve my strategic goal? We should be defining pro- products that way as well. So okay. we're in the same place. It's good.
0: So do you think, I mean, this is a lot of stuff and one of the questions I have for you as a coach is, do you think that an organization can do this on their own? Do they have to have a coach, and if they do, does it have to be external?
1: You know I, I haven't gotten into a place that has done this without somebody helping them yet. That doesn't mean this isn't a skill that couldn't be taught. so I think that I think the first time we try to get in there and help folks, it's probably helpful to have someone to help them understand what we're trying to achieve, um socialize this at a, at a higher level because you know, inherently people again are used to doing the things they're doing. Right. I think that we bring uh folks that understand this and experience into this and an explanation of why we want to do this. I think this is totally a trainable and teachable uh skill set. I think that the first time people go through this, it's good to have some guidance.
0: Okay. Cool. So so this is gonna help them get to a point where they have an actual well formed, workable backlog.
1: Yeah. That's that's, the most important
0: that's prioritized thing. No more question. or less. No questions. Okay. And how often should they be revisiting all this
1: stuff? So that's a great point. I I I'd like them when people start doing this, I'd like them to at least do this quarterly because um most of the time people aren't releasing a super super as often as we'd like them to be, but it's kind of when they start they can do this quarterly, I think that's a good time to really redo this and kind of baseline again, you know, find that baseline, you know, against the original. I think that if we're able to do a monthly or, uh, you know, releases, I would I would do this more often as well, because really what we're really doing here is creating a feedback loop. Yeah. And our initial workshop is creating a baseline, and then we're making some assumptions. We don't necessarily know all of this, but once we start releasing uh, uh, stuff into production and then getting some feedback from our customers, we're creating a feedback loop and we're creating a system of metrics that we can work against that we can give to our organization and say, here's the here's the the difference we've seen in in this metric or in this activity or in this functionality towards our strategic goal. Because the other thing I want people to understand is once we've defined the strategic goal, it's possible to achieve it sooner than we expected to. And the only way to know that is to be able to get fast feedback. So it's possible that we achieve our goal months before we expected to, which means if we know that we can actually work on the next most important thing or the next most important strategic goal or a completely new goal. Um, at some point we're going to be able to know that what we're building isn't adding any more value into our system. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So it's, it's definitely the beginning. It's a little, you know, it sounds complicated. It's not, but it's, it's definitely something you want to do to be guided through. Super well, important though. It's
0: a lot of work. I guess where I was going with that is, I mean, I would hope that any organization would get to a point where they could develop the capability to do this on their own. And maybe, maybe appoint somebody and say, look, your job is the one, you're the supposed to be the one that acts like they're from outside that doesn't care and poke holes in this thing, because you do need somebody. I think you need a coaching person and you need another person to call out some nonsense when it happens, because there are going to be people that push things advocate for things because they're important to them but they may not be important overall.
1: That's right. So uh, that's why I think I think once again it's a total trainable teachable skill for an organization to have. And I think that, you know, one of my early experiences was an executive coming to a scrum team and saying stop everything you're doing, someone another executive is yelling at me and we have to do this right away. Yeah. And right my my first thought was I want to give this executive the data and the tools he needs to go back to this other executive and say, hey, your thing is great. I really, I know it's important for you. We are in the middle of something that's slightly more important or has value. We'll get to you next, right? Right. But not to ignore their need, but to have enough information, real information and real metrics to go back to someone and say, I'm going to get to you right away, but we're not going to interrupt what we're doing for another week. And honestly, if you're doing two-week iterations or even three-week iterations, it shouldn't be uh, impossible to say you could wait another week or two for what your your yeah. thing is, and also be able to tell them what we think the uh, the uh, the effect on the system is going to be. Right, your thing is going to do this, so you could wait two weeks. Yeah,
0: cool. So if people yeah. if people want to ask you more about this, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: So you could reach me on on Twitter at, at Adam Ash. Okay. Or you can email me at Leading Agile, and I'm Adam at Leading Agile Cool. All right, dude, this was great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. It's always great sure. talking to you. And thanks
0: again for all your help last week. That was a lot it's of fun. It's my
1: pleasure. It was great.
0: Cool. All right, so keep listening. We're going to keep doing these every week, and thanks for checking out Sound Notes.